on Colossians 3, 12 through 17. We're actually in installment number nine of our series called Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? We started this series nine weeks ago to ask the question, who is this person Jesus? And we spent the first three or four weeks in chapter one looking at who this person Jesus was. And then we translated into chapter two, which asks an equally important question, who are we? In light of who Jesus is, who are we? Because we can't fully understand who we are until we know who he is. Well, these last two weeks, we've moved into chapter three, where we've answered an equally important question, so what? So what? So what a difference does it make who God is and who we are? Now we're moving into what difference is this supposed to make in our lives? Because all of scripture can be held into two different buckets, indicative and imperative. Here's what is true, now here's what you must do. And that's where we're at right now in Colossians. Last week we talked about how it's supposed to change our lives individually as we contemplate this new life we have in Christ. Now today we're going to take a look at what does this mean for us corporately? Because we are designed to be in relationship with one another because God by his very nature is relational. That's what it means that he is a trinity. So we're going to be answering that question, who are we supposed to be corporately? So let me read for us Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of the Lord. Well, it's been said if you can find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll screw it up. <laughs> Good advice, isn't it? But truth be told, we are all on a quest, aren't we? We're in search of the perfect church. And there's no variety of shapes and sizes as to where we can go to find said perfect church. You happen to end up here today, but you just as easily could have turned off about 200 yards up the street and pulled over at the wave. We meet in a cafetorium, they meet in a $20 million convention center. There's 60 or 70 of us, there's 5,000s of them. There's all sorts of shapes and sizes of the church out there that you're looking for. But finding the perfect church can be a very hard thing, can it? It's interesting, with so many choices out there, we seek to find the perfect community, and yet church has turned into something of a commodity. You know, if you were to ask our grandparents or our great-grandparents, most of them went to one church, maybe two church, for their entire lives. Most people now change churches like they change clothes every couple of years trying to find that perfect church. Now, we're not immune to these things either, are we? 
how many of folks have, have maybe asked these questions for ourselves about the church that we've attended? Sort of an analysis. Uh, the church just isn't meeting my or my spouse's needs. I can't find any friends at this church. I'm not being spiritually led here. I wish this church would emphasize missions or evangelism or couples or you, you put in whatever word that you want. I don't agree with the church's decision to do X. Or I don't think the church's music fits my style or taste. See, it's so strange that with this freedom of choice comes not peace, but rather dissatisfaction. Seems that there's something that we're missing in our quest for the perfect church. Well, you know, there's something that you'll find in any church that you go to, a common thread that goes throughout all of them. And strangely enough, it's not doctrine or theology, because you can find just about everything you want. The common thread that you find in any church is people. People are, this is earth-shattering for many of you, that people would be in a church, but obviously so, because if there's no people, there's no church. And whenever you have people, you're going to have problems, aren't you? Think about all the issues that we have. Don't all these frustrations come from the clash that we have with people who aren't like us, that we can't seem to get along, we can't seem to get on the same page? We, there's this tension of longing for the perfect church, but we can't seem to find it. We long for harmony, but where can it be found? You know, I tried to, I was thinking to myself, what words could I use to describe what I think is the perfect church that everyone is looking for? And I came up with it in a song. I want you to go ahead and listen to it. <laughs> Turn it up. You familiar with the song? It's singing on for cheers, isn't it? Don't you know? Wouldn't you like to get away? Sing it out! Sometimes you want to go. <laughs> That's where I want to go, right? They're always glad you came. <laughs> The troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. That's what we're looking for, isn't it? The church where everybody knows your name. A church that has harmony to it. A symphonic church. You know, what's so sad is it's hard to find it so much in a church that sometimes we got to go to a bar to try to find it. But that's not what Christ has called us to. He's called us to a perfect church. Here's the reality, folks. There's no such thing as a perfect church because there's no perfect people. But there is a perfect Christ. And there can be a church that is loving, forgiving, tolerant, and harmonious. A church where it's not just what's in it for me, but rather what's in it for thee. Paul here in this passage presents for us the formula for the symphonic church. It can be summed up in a one sentence. And that's this, that when we first tune our lives to Christ's Holy Spirit, then we can be in harmony with one another. We're going to look at three things in this sermon. The first is, how do we tune our lives to Christ's Holy Spirit? Because it's only then that we can be in harmony with one another. Two, what does this symphonic church look like? And then finally, number three, how do we stay in tune amidst all the difficulties of relationships?
Let's look at the first one. How do we tune our lives to Christ's Holy Spirit? Look at verse 12. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, whenever you see the word therefore in Scripture, you've always got to look back because the therefore explains that the ground has already set, been set for what you're going to do. And so this therefore is referring to the beginning of this chapter where Paul said, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your mind above because you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. Christ is now your life and when he appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. What Paul is saying is that you have been resurrected in Christ. You're not the same person that you once were. When Christ came to you, when he came into your life through his Holy Spirit, he took out the old dead you in your heart and he gave you a new heart, a new spirit, a spirit that wants to be in harmony with God and wants to be in harmony with one another. If you'll remember last week, Paul said, therefore, at the beginning of that passage as well, we have to take off the old person, the old sinful nature that continues to dog us and hold us down, the sinful nature that gives us anger and rage and jealousy and so forth. Paul said you have to pull off these things. But now Paul is saying, therefore, you have to put on something else. Compassion, kindness, gentleness. You know, it's so interesting. He says, not therefore have kindness and goodness and gentleness. He doesn't say, therefore, try to be kind and compassionate and gentle. He rather says, therefore, put on kindness and gentleness and patience. And look at verse 14. He also says, and over all these virtues, put on love. See, he's talking about, look, church, you don't have the ability to manufacture these things. It's not enough to have good intentions in order to try to be these kind of people. Rather, you have to put on something outside of yourself. Here's some scriptures that help us to understand what Paul is talking about. Ephesians 4.23. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, there's a new self that we have to put on that gives us the ability to be the kind of people that we want to be, to be the kind of church that God is calling us to be. He's even more specific in Romans 13, 14, where he says, let us behave de decently and as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You see, we need more than just good effort to be the, the uh, symphonic church at our core, we're resurrected. Every single one of us, if you're a follower in Christ, are saying the same thing that I'm saying. I want to be a part of a church like that. I want to go where everybody knows my name and is always glad I came. But we all have failings. We all have this earthly part of our nature, don't we? Our bodies and our minds that get in the way of our hearts. 
Paul says when you take off this old sinful nature, when you clothe yourself with Jesus Christ, that you will start to exhibit the characteristics of Christ. Love, joy, compassion, kindness, and humility. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule. Let the word of Christ dwell. The central uh, point of this whole section is the only way we can find harmony with one another is when we make our wills in line with Christ's spirit. You know, I, I enjoy listening to the symphony. I don't know if any of you guys do. I have, you know, some of these different CDs that I'll put in every now and then on the symphony. And it's very interesting. I, I think to myself, you know, how can all of these instruments get online with one another? I mean, think of the diversity. You've got the timpani, you've got the piccolo, and you've got the tuba, and you've got like 50 people, and yet they can come together and they can play this beautiful music. How does that happen? What you'll discover is every symphony does the exact same thing before they play. You know what they do? They tune. They tune, and they all do the same thing, actually. Over 500 years, they all do the same thing. I want to see if you can catch it. I've got a little uh, place here where you can listen to an orchestra tuning up. That's great. If you listen, one instrument always plays first. The oboe always plays first. It always plays an A. We've always been doing it hundreds and hundreds of years. Why is that? It's because the oboe doesn't go out of tune. As long as you have a good read, every other instrument can be adjusted, it can be shaped, can be whatever, but the oboe is tuned at the factory and it always holds its note. See, it's the one thing that doesn't go out of tune. And so as it plays first, the entire rest of the orchestra tunes their instrument to the oboe. That's what allows the, in, the orchestra to be in harmony with one another. What a picture of what the church is supposed to be. See, we can't get on the same page with one another. We can't tune to each other, can we? Not before we tune to Jesus Christ. Because he is the one that never goes out of tune. When we tune our wills to Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit, then we will be in tune with one another. Think about your own self in the church. Maybe you have tensions and conflicts in the church. We all do. We're human people. Maybe you're in a difficult relationship with someone in the church. You know, you're a, you're a piccolo and they're a tuba. You're on opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, you're this type of person, they're this type of person. You see green, they see blue. And you never can quite seem to exactly see the same way. How can you get on the same page and as a result you try and you try, but at the end there's anger and there's bitterness. You know, a comment that was said that just rubs you the wrong way. They didn't mean to make that comment. It's simply they're a tuba and you're a piccolo. How do you get on the same page with one another? <laughs> we can't get on the same page, can we? But if we submit our will to Christ, if we give up on ourselves, if we stop looking at one another before we look to Christ first, then we will discover that the symphony will come together and the music 
will be played. When we tune our wills to Jesus and his spirit first, we will have harmony with one another. Well, I want to move into our second point, the sounds of a symphonic church. What's a church in harmony supposed to sound like anyways? Paul takes some time to paint a picture, to see a picture of what this, uh, what this symphonic church sounds like. You know, there's an interesting lesson that they teach you in seminary on leadership. And the lesson is this, and you've seen it in any organization that you're involved with, that an organization will start to resemble its leader. We resemble that which we revere. How many of you have been in a job where a new boss comes in and then all of a sudden the organization starts to resemble its leader? You know, this is the kind of thing that keeps me up at night. They say that within three years a leader will photocopy himself onto his congregation for better or for worse. But the reality is the head of this organization called the church is not me. The head of this church is Jesus Christ. And as we put Jesus Christ in the center, we will start to reflect the characteristics of our heavenly leader. And so what does Paul say? Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. In the Greek, bearing with each other. It's a participle bearing with each other. Paul is explaining this is the manner in which you are to bear with each other. Now why does he use the word bearing with one another? Simply because sometimes each of us is unbearable. It's true. I'm your pastor. I know. And guess what? I'm sometimes unbearable as well. No such thing as perfect Christians, only a perfect Christ. See, we need these characteristics of Christ in bearing with each other because sometimes we're unbearable. And so what are these qualities that Paul begins to talk about? If you look at all of them, they were qualities that Christ experienced in his ministry with people. Number one, compassion. You know, the, the Latin there of compassion, com meaning with, passion meaning suffering, with suffering. It means coming alongside people in their suffering, being able to identify with them and to come alongside and be a part and experience their suffering. We see this in Jesus when it says that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. How about kindness? This word in the Greek means that which is helpful or provides good to people. Gosh, isn't it just a salve upon you when someone is kind to you? When they want to do good to you? Jesus taught his followers to be kind because God is kind to the ungrateful and the ungenerous. It means to treat one another with respect and with decency. Then we see here humility and gentleness. This is a spirit of not arrogance, not putting yourself first, not trying to dominate other people, but lifting one another up. I love the passage where Jesus comes to his people and he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Humility and gentleness. How about patience? 
gosh, if there's something we all need, isn't it patience, being patient with one another? But wasn't that how Jesus was with his disciples? Isn't it how Jesus is with us? The scriptures say that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Then Paul goes on to say, forgive one another as the Lord forgave you. Wow, don't we need forgiveness? Why? Because we're unbearable, that's why. We make mistakes. We say the wrong thing. But if Christ is in the center, we have the grace to forgive one another as the Lord forgave us. Paul says to put on love. Putting on love. I love in 1 Corinthians 13, we've all read the passage on this famous chapter of, of love where Paul says, listen, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and knowledge and if I have faith that can move mountains but I have not love, I am nothing. We need love. And then finally Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know, this word, the peace of Christ ruling in your hearts is literally translated, let the peace of Christ be the umpire in your hearts. When you're in a clash with someone, is it better to stir up dissension or to let the peace of Christ umpire so that we can look at people with gentleness and patience and forbearance rather than getting our hackles up when we're offended? You know, if you look at all of these passages, all of these characteristics that I just gave you, there's one other place where you can find them. The fruit of the Spirit. We read it just a little while ago. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the effects of us when our hearts are attuned to Christ's Holy Spirit. Many of us have been watching this uh, th uh, the story unfold. It happened a little while ago. The, the seals storming the compound to take out uh, Osama bin Laden. And as the story continues, we've gotten more and more information about how these guys managed to do it. You know, I've been fascinated. I kind of watch all the little you know, stories of how they stormed the gates and all that stuff. And one thing has struck, out, uh, struck uh, me as I've read it, and that's the perfect synchronization that these SEAL teams had as they accomplished their mission. See, there's life and death on the line, isn't there? It's got to be perfect harmony with one another as they move into their mission. Otherwise, people are going to get killed. I mean, can you imagine these SEALs are storming the compound, you know, and, and they're in the middle of doing something, and one of them turns to someone else and says, look, look, I need to share with you. When we were in the chopper, what you said really hurt me, okay? I'm a little bit, and I want to take a second to talk about it right here. No, 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 no. There's a tremendous amount of forbearance with one another when the seals are on point. Why? Because they rely with one another. They have to put to death their differences because the reality is they may be called to die for one another right there in the field of battle. See, by tragic necessity, sometimes the Navy SEALs are, are sent in to take life. But the church is called upon to give life. How much more so that we need to be in harmony with one another. 
There's no such thing as perfect Christians. There's only a perfect Christ. But if we tune our wills to the Holy Spirit first, we will have the grace to have harmony with one another. The test of our church is this. How do we handle adversity? The evil one, Satan, is constantly setting traps, throwing grenades into the congregation. A little comment here or there that was taken the wrong way. Maybe a glance and we wonder what they're thinking about ourselves. How do you handle problems when the pastor says something that you don't like? How do you handle adversity when someone in the church does something that I don't like? How do you respond? With compassion, kindness, gentleness, forgiveness, or in other ways? Are we quick to respond or are we quick to listen? For how we respond reveals who is in the center of our church. If we have clothed ourselves with Christ first by his Holy Spirit, we will exhibit the characteristics of Christ and we will accomplish our mission. This leads me to my final point, which is how are we able to stay in tune with one another? I don't know about you, but I wake up in the morning, I spend time with the Lord, I, you know, I read his word, I find a way, and then throughout the day I discover myself going out of tune. We're imperfect instruments, aren't we? We're affected by the weather, the humidity. We knock up against something and our strings go all out of tune. How can we seriously think that we could have harmony in this imperfect world in which we live? Paul tells us in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. See, the word is the standard that unites us to Christ. It helps us to be on the same page. It's only when I tune our lives to Christ's Holy Spirit. But here's the reality, and this is something that many churches suffer from. As important as unity is, it is not our most important value. Jesus Christ taught that truth transcends unity as a priority. It is critical to recall that in Christ's high priestly prayer, he prayed that we, before he prayed that he would be one, he prayed that we would set apart the truth. From God's point of view, truth is not only more important than unity, truth is the basis for unity. Authentic Christian unity is a unity formed in a common cause, a common conviction, a common interest, and biblical unity is forged in our mutual bondedness to the truth in Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. When we embrace the truth, we are free to embrace one another in truth. And so, the word must be central in our lives and the lives of our church. Paul says to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. It dwells in us as we preach the word. It dwells in us as we sing the word together, as we study the word together. But one of the things I love about this is Paul says that this participation in tuning is to be interactive. See what it says here? It says that let the word dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. 
that this is something that we're supposed to do with one another, helping to tune each other to harmony. Teaching, which is the positive side, teaching to the truth, and this admonishing word actually means to warn. Hey, you're getting away from that which is truthful. A constant dance, teaching and admonishing one another in truth. You know, I, uh, without each other, the reality is we will go off tune and we will create a cacophony rather than a symphony. You know, here's a guitar here. Very interesting. It has five strings. Now, I can tell you that I think that this note here is an E. Sounds like an E to me, doesn't it? But there's only one way I can find out, and that's that I need a tuner. And if I click on my handy-dandy tuner and I listen to it, I discover, no, 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 that's an F. So what do I have to do? I have to change my tune to get to the place where I can get an E. And Lord, help me to get an E. Yeah, get, get, get me Ryan. There we go. Sometimes it's a painful process being changed in tune, isn't it? We go out of tune. We have to be willing to be stretched and contracted. But when all the notes are in perfect harmony with one another, we get a song. There's my little demo right there. That's all I can play. <laughs> See, we will go out of tune. Don't mistake it. We will go out of tune. We need one another to be able to listen. We think that it's an E, but the reality is it's an F. I think I'm going to kill myself with this thing right here. Excuse me for one second. Thank you so much. We tune ourselves. The key is flexibility. Let me ask you a question. What is your attitude and willingness to be conformed to God's word? I want harmony. I want this sort of beautiful music to occur, but I don't want to be constrained by God's word, and I certainly don't want to be constrained by anyone else. I want to go ahead and play my own tune, which I believe is the most beautiful doesn't work like that, does it? It's all of us conforming ourselves to the exact same music. That's when we discover the beautiful music. That's why Redeemer, we're so focused on opportunities to get people together to study God's word where we can teach and admonish one another. Whether it's the women's Bible study on Wednesday, it's this men's study that we're starting Tuesday morning, 6.30 to 7.30, it's our community groups. We've got four different choices you can find to come together to study God's Word. It's Wednesday morning prayer. It's our journey groups that we do Monday nights that we'll be opening up more groups in the fall. It's opportunities for us to come together and tune one another to perfect pitch. See, when we're together with the Word, we will play a beautiful tune and we will be the symphonic church. Well, listen, my friends, I want to leave you with a couple thoughts in my conclusion. Number one, there's no such thing as the perfect church. If you go looking for it, you're not going to find it because there's no such thing as perfect people. There's only the perfect Christ. We're called to unity. 
But the only place you're ever, ever able going to find it is here in the church. You're not going to be able to find it in a social club. You're not going to be able to find it in a bar. You're going to be able to find it right here. So let us tune our lives to Christ by his Holy Spirit. Let us clothe ourselves with Christ because he's the one that will give us kindness, compassion, and gentleness. Let us live in tune with our leader, Jesus, as we bear with one another amidst our failings. And finally, let us constantly tune to God's word with each other's help. When we first tune our lives to Christ's Holy Spirit, then we will have harmony with one another. Let us pray.